Hi, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR Works. Talent acquisition has quickly moved front burner for many organizations, and most realize that they're going to have to do more to attract and keep top candidates than they've had to do in the past few years. Today's guest has some great ideas and practical tips to help us with that. John Hall is co-founder and CEO of Influence & Company, a content marketing agency that helps companies and individuals extract and leverage their expertise to create, publish, and distribute content to their key audiences. He's also the author of the best-selling business book, Top of Mind. In five years, John has grown influence and company into one of the largest providers of high-quality expert content to more than a 1,000 of the world's top publications. Under John's leadership, influence and company was ranked number 72 on Forbes' Most Promising Companies in America list and was named Impact's Best Marketing and Advertising Company at the United Nations. Influence and Company was also recently mentioned in Inc. magazine as the number one company dominating content marketing. John also has weekly columns for Forbes and Inc. and has contributed to more than 50 publications, including the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, The Washington Post, and Mashable. And he was recently recognized in Forbes as a must-see and his talks have inspired thousands of leaders, marketers, salespeople, entrepreneurs, and others to improve their performance. And in addition, I'll mention that John is keynoting BLR's RecruitCon 2018 conference being held in Nashville May 10th and 11th. John, welcome to HR Works. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So we do want to talk about content marketing and its role in recruiting, but I believe you've said that building trust as a company is the important first step. Could you talk about the role of trust and talent attraction? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, this is, um, I mean, trust is a key, key thing, and obviously different things. It could be sales, could be uh, employee relations. Uh, there, there's a variety of things where trust is a factor, but specifically when it comes to talent attraction and, and ret- retention, it's, it, to me, the most important uh, thing that I could possibly think of for getting the right talent. And the reason why is because we have a generation right now, especially with younger generations, and especially, in, uh, to be honest, in, in media, uh, where there's, there's just a lack of trust. And that's happened. Um, you can blame it on politics. You can blame it on media. You can blame it on, as I said, younger generations, is that um, people naturally um, have this kind of uh, gut, uh, I guess you could say barrier, that they're like, I don't know. Like, even if this company sounds good, I don't know, there might be something in the, in the, in the, or a skeleton in the closet I don't know. Even though, I mean, for example, there's companies like Uber where, you know, three or four years ago is the place to work at, the innovative, awesome, you know, environment. Then all, all of a sudden you obviously saw what happened in this last, you know, year or two um, with, with Travis and leadership and how that affected uh, attracting talent and, honestly, their stock price as well. And so, um, it, to me, it, it is the most important thing to focus on because people want, like, it's their livelihood. It's one of the most important things. It's how that, my, my work is how I'm supposed to 
supporting my two daughters at home and my lovely wife. And so if I'm going to work at a place and truly give it my all, I want to have a trust that one, I know who I'm dealing with and the people and the company behind it. And then, and the two, I can trust them that they're going to be looking out for my best interest. All right. That's helpful to get the trust going. And now um, maybe more specifically about talent acquisition. Sounds like recruiting is getting more like marketing and effective marketing Mm -hmm. is uh, all about content. So uh, how is that? How does that happen? So that's, that's very well said is that it is becoming, um, like I, I was just asked the other day, they said, how important is, you know, recruiting as compared to sales for you, for you? And I go, oh my gosh, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like recruiting is, is extremely, a lot more important to me because who's going to make those sales later? Who's going to be doing the things I need to happen? And, and it's so funny how we value a, a sale so much. And we do all these things. If you look at content marketing and sales, and sales, we spend. There's companies that spend massive amount of massive amount of money on getting good content to sales, uh, nurturing them, um, uh, advertising to them. There's all this money there. And what has, is going to change? And this is my vision of the future for kind of recruiting is that. Sales and marketing used to not be able to engage with recruiting as much before because it was all about advertising, promoting um, how great our product and service is, and it wasn't truly about the customer or it wasn't truly about adding value for people around you. Now, in the last five to ten years, with the rise of content marketing, sales and marketing has changed the way that people are engaging with people, or at least valuing. Um, the, the content and, and engaging them in a way where it's, it's more about them than just always promoting and selling to them. So what that results in is that results in recruiting and a talent acquisition as having an opportunity to work more closely with sales and marketing and to use some of the content that they're, that they're uh, creating on the recruiting side. Because before, it, it wasn't as useful. But now I'm starting to see effective uh, recruiters and people on the HR side really working hand-in-hand with sales and marketing to say, guys, this is the type of content that's valuable for me, and I see you're developing it, this for sales. I can repurpose this and, or use this in this way, and you can hit several birds with one stone. And so that's what I'm seeing shift in is that we've, we've gone from sales and marketing being a lot more valuable to them, the recruiting side, and then recruiters thinking like a marketer and saying, these people are valuable. I need to nurture them. I need to engage them. And I ultimately want to naturally draw them to me because there's a very big difference between, and what we saw is like with marketing, there was a lot of outbound marketing where it was sales, door-to-door, those types of things. And then it shifted to inbound where you're getting content engaging people so they're coming to you. Now, the same thing with recruiting is that you want people to come to you, not as much all the outbound uh, effect because you'll get better talent if they're wanting and, and uh, more qualified if they're coming to you because of your engaging them with content. So that's this very, very natural shift that I see in talent acquisition happening now and, and in the future. So working with content, and then you've said that you have to have quality content to attract uh, quality talent. And I think I'm quoting you as saying, don't expect a fluff piece about your Christmas party to turn the tide in your recruiting efforts. <laughs> and you've mentioned, uh, yeah. <laughs> you've mentioned three things uh, that content should do. Showcasing core values, establishing yourself as an industry leader, and humanizing your brand. So let's start with core values. What's the story there? Yeah, and um, you're, you're right. Like you started with uh, quality content is important. And, and let me make that clear that quality is also very subjective. 
And so, you know, somebody might say, wow, this tips article is t- terrible, but it might be published in a, I don't know, uh, an ink magazine. It might do really, really well and um, have a lot of engagement. But if I publish that in, let's say, Harvard Business Review, that audience might be like, well, that wasn't quality. And so quality is subjective. And what I would say to tell people is to be focused on is what is going to be most engaging to the the audience that you're trying to, you know, read. Is it this type of content that's shorter to the point, or is it more of a long educational piece? Uh, It it can be very subjective there. But on the core values part, that's your why. So if you haven't uh, read uh, Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why, I recommend it for anybody who's thinking about going into sales, marketing, recruiting, leadership, um, because it gets down to the core of why are you doing what you're doing? So Influenceco, we started our why is because we wanted to help people and companies build trust with the people that matter most to them around them, whether it's a sale or, or a recruit. We wanted to help them create content that will engage with people. So that was the, the core of ICO at heart. Um, when we're creating content, we got to remember that. And so we have to remember that when we're engaging people, like what is our why? Like why do we exist as a company? Because And what are our values? For example, we don't take people like every client on. Um, if we feel like somebody's like, a, we, we kind of have, a, I guess you could say, a no asshole policy, where if we feel like somebody's going to be, um, uh, you know, not the best to represent, we don't take them. And so that's some core values that we're very vocal about. We're, we're vocal about how we create content. We spend a lot of time on uh, making sure that it is a certain level of quality. And then we also spend a lot of time distributing it. So when we're getting content um, developed from our staff, we're taking those values as that the content matters to us, distribution matters, who we work with matters. And then we're, getting, we're communicating that when we're developing even our own content, when we're actually trying to engage potential recruits because we want them to feel connected um, to the company and also have the same types of values because if they don't, they're never going to fit on the, on the recruiting side. Yeah, that's for sure. So then uh, your second point, uh, what about establishing yourself as an industry leader? How do you go about that? Yeah, so people want to work for the best. The, um, the best type of talent wants to be challenged. They want to feel like they're going to a place where they're around people smarter than them. I do not want the people that are like I'm the smart that feel like they're the smartest people in the room. I don't want that. I want the people who want to be surrounded by people that are going to make them better. And so when you're looking at, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we, you know, show thought leadership? It is, we want the people that look into our company that are thinking about working for us to see our leadership, our, you know, um, whether it be our head of tech or our head of content or our publication relations or myself, we want them to feel that we are consistently learning. We're consistently challenging ourselves to lead this industry in thought, but whether it be through um, data that is not available or it could be through experiences and, and case studies, could be through um, just educational how-tos on this, these are best practices because we want that those recruiters to identify and say, wow, or those, those recruits identify and say, when I go there, they're going to invest, like I, I actually am going to not just get paid money but I'm also going to become a smarter person in this industry. And there's a lot of value in that. So that's why that that piece is so important. Well, that's great. Uh, And then the third point is to uh, humanize your brand. Uh, What's that about? So people want a human-to-human connection when they're getting uh, established with a brand, whether it be from a sale or whether it be to to work, you know, for them. 
And too often, uh, brands try and just kind of hide behind the brand, and they don't kind of they don't connect on a human level where um, people can kind of. Uh, I, I guess you, one of my best examples of this is um, I we recently had an employee start. Never met this person before in my life. She walked up to me and she said, uh, "Hey, I just want you to know." I really love it how, um, you know, you may use this as an example of your daughters in this piece. Um, like, I, I actually have a daughter, and she's your, you know, daughter's age. And it's like, I felt the same way. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, like, I started making jokes. She goes, yeah, it was really, like, I, it just really, I knew walking into work, I feel comfortable around you. The idea that a new employee who's never met me, never met the CEO of the company, can come up to me in the hall and feel like she can connect with me like that and, and that she's in a comfortable environment to do that it means the world to me. And so that's why it's so important to have that human-to-human connection because I do feel like that employee is going to, I mean, to go above and beyond. If she feels like she's working for someone she can connect to and somebody she can relate to, I, I feel that she will do more than if she came in and was like, I never met the CEO, don't know anything about him. Well, that's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, now, I was intrigued that you say there's a side benefit, a benefit of quality content marketing, is that it helps you weed out low-quality applicants. How does it do that? Yes. Okay, so I'll give you a perfect example. This was a, a lesson I learned, uh, is that I'm, I was Mr. Fun Guy in college. I loved playing ping pong, pool, good, like, uh, I loved having fun. So when I had the ability to be an entrepreneur, it's naturally like being like, oh, well, I'm going to get the best type of talent because I'm just going to, like, we're going to have ping pong in the office. We're going to have pool. We're going to have a keg of beer here. Like, we're just going to, it's just going to be amazing. Um, terrible, terrible. You're, you're leading with something that's not even, like, remotely tied to content and what we do. And so it was, it, was, it was really bad because we actually got some applicants that that was super important. And they were like, I want to be able to play pool all day when I want to. I want to be, but that's not the, the, the applicants I want. What I want is I want people that love what we do. They love the solution that we provide for clients. Yes, I want them to enjoy some of the benefits and the perks of, uh, you know, being around a, a more lax environment. But that was a terrible way of communicating for me and, and my leadership at the time. Now, what we did then is we changed our, instead of getting a piece written about, hey, these are the top 10 perks um, you know, to have in your office. I mean, we, we wrote a piece on how, hey, perks are there for a reason, but it's not the core of your company. The core of your company is the solution and the value that you provide clients. So you need to find uh, uh, recruits that are interested in that. And so what, we started changing our content strategy to, to communicating that better. And we found that we got better applicants because they weren't coming in to play pool. They were coming in because they, they were more engaged by the stuff that we actually did for our clients. And then, yes, they like to have fun, but we, we weeded out a lot of those people just by saying we had like a series of articles saying this is not what's important to us. Yes, there's some there's some cool things here, but here's what's important to us. And it did start to weed out a lot of those applicants. Oh, that's great. I like that. Um, now, I'm thinking if recruiting is becoming more like sales, what lessons can uh, can a talent acquisition team learn from the sales team? I mean, I think that, in my, in my opinion, they should be best friends. Sales, marketing, and recruiting should all just at least get along and, and say, hey, like, how can I help you? That's what I always tell teams that are on the recruiting team of, um, as they go to sales and go to marketing and say, how can I help you? And they're like, why? I'm like, because you want them to help you. And the best way to help is to form a good relationship is offering your help <laughs> because 
what you like the the way that sales can help you are in a variety of ways. For example, a lot of those people are running are like are going to conferences, going to events, talking to some of the people that are going to be the best talent out there. If you look at some of our best talent, it came from our salespeople and like going to an event, running into somebody and be like, this person's awesome. Like they'd be perfect for this. So there's that. It's also, we want the salespeople, like one of the reasons why um, we've also attracted certain people is because they've met those salespeople and they're like, wow, those people actually care. They took the time to educate me. They like, um, I mean, have that human to human connection. Um, it was, and, and those sort of things can be valuable to get the right type of talent back to you. So, I think that sitting down with those people and saying, hey, here's how we can help each other. So on your sales side, you say, if you run into people like this that meet this criteria, I'd love it if you could, you know, develop some relationship um, and kind of, and I'm not saying you have to say turning your application today because that person might not be ready to leave. Uh, some of the best talent doesn't just jump ship. You don't, you don't want that at a certain point, but you get that first engagement and you, you have them say, hey, our, our, our recruiting side um, like a lot of times get content around this type of content, love to like send you, you know, get you on that list so that they can send you on things related to, you know, what we're up to. There's a variety of things you can do there. Um, then another thing with the sales is just asking them, say, Hey, when you run into people, why, what are people most attracted to about our company? Like, what is, what is it? Because they're the ones with the salespeople are the ones with like out there meeting new people, listening. And if they're actually hearing things like, Oh yeah, like I, I didn't want to work for your company because of this, or yeah, well this is what the, like, or this is what's engaging about your content. The recruiting arm needs to know that so that that can align with their content strategy and different messaging, or at least it helps, um, you know, get some information about it. So there's that. Then on the opposite side, when you, when you say, well, here's how I can help you is that you need to tell me who are the type of people that I need to look out for to get the right people on sales. Do they have, like, and it's, it's pretty common sense on the recruiting side, but go a step beyond and be like, and just ask them, say, oh, well, on the recruiting side, besides the typical things, these typical things, what can I do? Um, and it, you'll be surprised where a lot of times a salesperson will say, okay, well, if you can keep an eye out for, you know, this for us. And so it has to be that type of relationship, and it's very rare because they, those two departments used to be so siloed from each other in the past, um, and right now you've really got to bring them a lot closer together. Well, that's a great approach. I appreciate that. Now, in dealing with candidates, you've talked about the importance of moving your top candidates from short-term to long-term memory. Can you explain what the significance of that is and how you might go about it? gonna uh, your what I was just uh, speaking about is that when you have um, you know some of the best talent is not somebody who just immediately is like I need to go you know work for you right now they're the people that take time and you want to be in their long-term memory because some of the best talent at some point a lot of places they're just not treated the way they should it's not going to be in that moment necessarily when you're talking to them but it's going to be in a meeting when the boss disrespects them or says oh you like you're not you know, you know, whatever. I don't value the 90-hour work weeks that you just put in. This actually just happened where um, there was somebody I know very well that is the epitome of top talent. Um, not doesn't work for us, but works for someone else. And um, she was completely happy. She was like, I'm not going anywhere. And then she went through a three- to four-month span where she really wasn't valued, and um, she was doing all this work. There was no compensation, not even words of affirmation and appreciation. And she's just like, I need to go somewhere. Well, in that moment, you want her in her long-term memory to have your brand or your, you know, someone on your staff that is going to bring her to you. 
you want in that moment and that you have to be in long-term memory because if you're in short-term, you don't pop in there. So that's why it's so important that you're doing that um, because at that moment, you want them to think of you so that they come to you and you get them and you get that, you know, and that they also trust you at that point because they almost need you. They're in a moment of vulnerability. And so um, that's important. Now, to do that, the way the memory works is very, uh, it's very unique. It's actually super complex. I'm going to save some time, about five memory books right here. And what long, shifting from short-term to longer memory is when you are um, having, a, let's say, an electrical current on one side and then a light bulb on the other. And every once in a while, you have a touch point, and it sends that current. And then the light bulb burns, but it kind of it kind of flickers. Now, anytime you engage someone, you send a current where the light bulb lights up. Now, if you do it consistently, it lights up and it keeps lighting, and then ultimately it's going to stay lit. And that's that long-term memory moment. So you can do a couple things to do that. One, consistent touch points in, in engaging ways in different ways. And so you can do that. That's why content marketing is a cool approach, but you can also mix that in with in-person, gifts. There's a variety of different things that you can do to nurture people. That's another conversation. Or the other hand is that you can go in long-term memory by really doing something that's truly helpful to them or that gains trust. Or um, it can be uh, you know, a moment where you're just more memorable because, like, let's say you had a long dinner together and you got to really know them and made it personal so there's a variety of things that get you there. The most common thing is consistency. So make sure that you, whatever you're doing to a lot of these, you know, these uh, different types of talent, that you're doing it consistently. Well, that's a great tip. Now, in your book, you say that you were a reluctant writer and had to be pushed to publish. So a little bit ironic, I think. What's the story around that? Well, to me, it's like, uh, well, one, I'm not a good writer, to be honest with you. It's like any time when you, I, I think I had like a ridiculously low writing score on the standardized test all throughout my years. And so like I, I never had a lot of confidence in writing. So that was a struggle for me is that, you know, you're like, John, you run one of the fastest growing content creation and distribution companies, and you're admitting that you're not a good writer. That's weird. And so like most people don't do that, but that's a part of me wanting to be authentic and vulnerable um, and I and I wrote a piece actually about that where it did it actually helped me um, you know uh, kind of just I talked about how I struggle as a writer and a CEO of a content company and it actually engaged people a lot so that actually helped with that human connection side of things but for me it's like I, I've never necessarily um, I never loved writing um, I also at the same time um, it, there's an ego aspect of it where you're like oh should I get out there because then I'm gonna come off egocentric. Um, there's all these BS barriers, to be honest with you, that I would come up with. In reality, is that you've got to believe is that if you want your company to be looked at as a leader in the space, if you want to be looked at as a leading, you know, expert or somebody who is, um, you know, good at their job, a part of that is basically uh, you know you have to have some form of thought leadership, whether it's speaking, whether it's um, you know writing some content. Uh, it's a part of as you experience things that are valuable. You want to share that with the people around you. And me shifting that mindset of saying, hey, like, this isn't about my ego. This isn't about my struggle in writing. It's about helping the people around me as I learn different things that can make their lives better. And ultimately, that's going to get me the trust that I need to do business with, you know, in, in a variety of ways and then succeed. Well, that's a great message for everybody, I think. To, uh, to sum this all up, John, any final recommendations for companies' talent acquisitions efforts in 2018? 
Well, I would say it's, it's baby steps. Like, I'm t- like it, the problem a lot of times with talent acquisition in this area of content is that they're like, oh, it's going to take so much time, resources. And I, I would just say, just just take steps this year in 2018. Sit down and say, these are the baby steps that we're taking towards getting better at it. Uh, here's how I'm educating myself on it. Here's how I'm educating the team around me. Um, because it doesn't happen overnight. It's very hard, especially like it, just in marketing to get buy-in for like the content marketing in the last like five, 10 years. It, it, it was hard on that side. Um, but I think that, um, for, for most of the firms I'm talking to, I'm like, guys, like it, it will, let's just take steps here and let's, let's test some things out. Let's see what works, see what doesn't. And so don't be scared of it, but just consistently move forward because it's, it's a marriage. Like when you're truly committing to this, this is a marriage and saying, I'm committing to creating very engaging content very consistently for this type of audience to basically attract, you know, either sales or talent in this way. And you don't do that overnight. And so um, I would say just be patient, keep moving forward. You're going to see the value there. It's not like it's rocket science. If you engage people consistently over time, you're going to get value and they're going to naturally be drawn to you. Now, if you make mistakes and you, um, you know, don't put the effort that's meant to be for it and you, you just kind of give up, then you're not going to get that value. So I would say that, um, you know, think of it as a marriage and, and you're going to be learning more and about each other. I still don't know fully my wife after nine years, but I'm getting closer. Um, but I'm really happy that I made that investment. So it's like, look at that in the same way. And I think uh, you guys will get there. Baby steps and you'll get there. So, John, thanks so much for joining us today and providing these very helpful insights. Cool. Well, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Listeners, let me remind you that John is the keynoter for RecruitCon 2018, being held in Nashville May 10th and 11th. His topic is, if they don't trust you, they won't give you the time of day. Steps to unleash your influence and engage those who matter to you pre-conference learning opportunities on May 9th. You can learn more about it at recruitcon.blr.com. And HRWorks listeners can get $50 off the conference price by entering HRWorks, all one word, in the discount box when they register for the event. As always, please let me know what HRWorks should cover next. sbruce at blr.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works.